are listening to episode number 65 of The 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I am Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Melancon of Debacle Records. Each week, one of us picks a Rancid song or adjacent, something adjacent to Rancid, Jesus. Uh, and we talk about it and all our complicated feelings. And so this is my pick this week. And we've kind of been dancing around this and... We've sort of said it offhandedly a few times, but I, as I said last week, it's time to have a sort of come to Jesus talk about an outcome the wolves. And we are going to do that by talking about avenues and alleyways. and alleyways is the penultimate song on an outcome the wolves and we'll talk about that in a minute um came out in 95 we are coming up on the 28th anniversary in a month so yeah that makes that doesn't make it feel old i don't know what does and yeah okay so do we want to start with the song or we want to talk just i guess we start with the song i don't know this is always going to go places but there's a yeah there's a lot of different places um so i'm going to start with you know, we, you and I, have, we've talked many times about our sort of love of anthemic songs. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. when Rancid does anthemic songs. For my money, this is the mountaintop of Rancid doing anthemic songs. Like, for me, this is the like most fist in the air, that course. I mean, the whole thing, the just the... God, it is just, it is, yeah. So, with that, I mean, I, I fucking love this song. I, this is, man, I love this song. And I remember when it first came out, and I remember the thing, really being caught off guard by the oys, because that was, you know, I was like 16 or whatever, 15, 16 years, I guess I was 16. And my knowledge of, like, oi music and skinheads and, you know, We've been taken to task many times for how we our view of skinheads when we were younger. Um, anyway, but like at that point, still like my experience with skinheads and oi and all that was a bunch of racist white assholes, right? Like neo Nazis and all that stuff. So when at first it was like like this made me, you know, I was like, I gotta know more about this. Why the fuck are rancid like yelling oi oi oi? And then, you know, in 1995, there wasn't the internet to just, I mean, there kind of was, I guess it was on America Online, but like, you know, you couldn't just (laughs) instantly have the full history of some relatively obscure thing at your fingertips. Um, So anyway, I don't know that I just remember that. But then as like, I learned more, it's like, oh yeah, okay. I get it. Cool. I mean, up until this point, this has to be other than like a Sham 69 song in like England and like. 70s like this has to be by far one of the most popular songs to have an oi chorus oh yeah i mean it's on a platinum record like like there's this has to be one of the biggest exposures especially to americans 
it's a very british thing absolutely right? like, and that's the thing yeah and, and 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 like my experience with oh and because it, yeah like you said it's a very it's a british thing more so i think than anything but like i remember being at punk shows and like not neo-nazi skinheads like yelling oi trying to start shit and so yeah. like that was my that was my rep for, like frame of reference for it and it really was just like whoa fuck what like especially but then you know i mean within the context of the rest of the lyrics it was like okay wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> like i'm misunderstanding something about this clearly <laughs> yeah um but yeah this is bringing up some stuff that's really funny to me like uh a memory of like that whole era like i was getting into this like kind of in the 96 97 98 and like you know a little after the fact and um that whole movement of like the anti-nazi punk movement was really big like nazi the, punks um, fuck off yeah nazi punks yeah. fuck off the the anti-swastika yeah. shirts the anti-swastika buttons the all the rules around what the shoelaces and right. you know like the very like gen x and millennial view of how fascist Nazi, yeah, fascist punk you know sort of rules that we all there's were there's a and, great live performance of this i was watching on youtube and i don't know what year it was from like it was posted in 2009 but it's clearly much earlier than that and yeah. the beginning of it lars says like the only good nazi is one that's lying on the ground with a bullet in their head i was like okay. <laughs> it's like yeah like good yeah, yeah awesome Fantastic. no 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 and nothing unclear about that no notes <laughs> <Yeah>. no notes <laughs> uh yeah, exactly. And 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 exactly. And that's great. And and sort of it was an era of being very clear about that stuff. Yeah. And and there was this sort of insidious I think there was a lot more of that in the eighties and people were just like, Okay, now this world's getting even more popular. Like eighties hardcore was rife with, you know, tons and tons hardcore and metal especially were just tons and tons of white supremacist music mm-hmm. and 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 there was sort of this echo of, oh, shit, this stuff's getting popular. What if all that gets popular? You know, like this fear right. of, of in the 90s. And the truth is, I didn't run into it a lot, or at least not in a way that I was aware of it. You know, as a kid, a very young kid starting to go like Suicide Machine shows and all these. I would go to ranch shows if I could have, just they never lined up right and all these things. And like, but like every shirt was about it. Every, you know, like, and it was all this kind of. You know, looking back, there was all this very demonstrative race. It's like simplistic race stuff, kind of like in this mm-hmm. song, which is good of like being these sort of unity, um, uh, you know, black and white coming together right. and everything. But it's like, yeah, that's great. But there's literally one black person at the show, you know, like right. it's like, you know, like the, the sort of 90s version of papering over racism by just being like, everything's fine, you know, like... uh is an interesting thing to think and talk about. Um, but the, my direction that I'm going was I really, wa- I was itching for that fight. You know what I mean? I, I wanted that cause of like, fucking I want some Nazi punks to show up so badly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that I could be mad about it. And they didn't. And and I would wear and make my own like anti-swastika stuff and, and buy the shirts and... I had like, you know, down to the skin mohawks and, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. And when I was 14, 15, 16, and I'd like go to church with my parents and like <laughs> a lot of people would, I would get in so much trouble with these outfits because they would see the swastika more than they would see the anti-swastika, right? Right. And they'd see the skinhead and they'd go like, what's going on? You know, like, like they, because it's like the scene politics, yeah. right? Like it was, um, 
And I remember just getting lambasted and being like, but I'd be like, you know, it's 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 because it's this all these problems with, you know, my mom was just taking me to task totally legitimately. I haven't thought about this in a long time. You know, I, I remember being so mad at the time. Um, yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, uh, being like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is a big problem. And it's like, but she's like, we're, where is this a problem? We're like, we're at the most progressive church in like the nation. Like, what are you talking about? Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, like, can you chill out? You don't need to wear this. Like, we're fine. There's no Nazis here. Like, like, right. like, like you don't have like and you don't go to shows like at all like you barely go to any shows and like they're totally chill bunch of white kids being positive you know like like what what are you worried about like you know like you're not getting in fights you're not like like chill out like 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 it was such a i'm putting on this thing and i'm having this mental fight in my head against these nazis that don't exist around me yeah. you know the suburban you know, um, they do exist, but they weren't like in my face. You know what I mean? Like they certainly existed. And as we're seeing, they're everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? But right. like, but like at the time, it was definitely an era of it being pretty hidden. And if they were existing, they were existing at 21 plus shows and they were existing kind of in this like different way. And it wasn't this 14 year old kid that was going to solve it. You know what I mean? Like, right. yes, I was six, five and, you know, probably could have done something, but like, what was I going to do? And it just wasn't, I don't know, it was such an interesting, like, I wanted to be part of that fight, which I guess is a noble thing on some level, but, like, it was such a farce, you know? <laughs> and uh, so much of the music I listened to was about that, and I, I guess I'd rather it be about that than being about, like, why don't ladies love me, which were, there were certainly a lot of those, you know, but, like, <laughs> um, but, the you know, a lot of the tone of music that could have been in my life at 14... I'll take that. But like, it's also this very funny, like, what fights are you getting in over this stuff in your suburban right. <laughs> lifestyle, you know? Um, and also that simplistic thing comes to mind too, of like that nineties, like if I m paint this story of being, well, I'm not racist because I'm don't like Nazis. I don't like extreme racism. And I also am very accepting of like, I'd be happy if a black person was at this show. There aren't any, but I'd be happy if there was. Why, you know what I mean? Like, like it's like step one racism, right. you know, well, anti-racism, not like step 40. Which is, you know, where most, uh, well, I mean, frankly, most people are still there in 2023, but like in yeah, 1995, exactly. <laughs> I mean, shit, like being at step one was radical. It felt amazing. <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. But we got, I, there's something really insidious. I think a lot of anti-racist teachers talk about how insidious that step is, uh, how you're like, oh, good. You know, I can breathe a sigh of relief because we, we got through step one and it's like, uh, well, no, you well, know, and, there's yeah, more I mean, to it. Well, especially now when you think, I mean, uh, I'm sure we've all experienced this or not all of us, but, the you know, working in large organizations where they make this big sort of to-do about like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this like anti-racist training or we're going to... But it, it's this very surface level thing. And then it's like, okay, we can check the box and we're going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, are you changing your hiring practices right. or your pipelines or any of the other things? Or and the answer to you... that, that question, 99%, 99 times out of 100 is no. <laughs> no. And, and it's, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's the institutional change is so much slower and so much more hard questions have to be asked and it sucks and it, you know it, it literally does suck like it involves a large amount of crappy feelings for people 
But it just means that you're, and all I mean by that, it just means that you're sharing the load of crappy right. feelings. You know what I mean? Right. Like, 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 I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're sharing your fair share of the load of crappy right. feelings instead of like offloading them to certain groups. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're, exactly. And it's, um, yeah. And you would, you would hope, you would hope that 28 years later we had maybe come further than this, but. <laughs> And I think a lot of people who are much much smarter than me, and I don't want to act like I'm yeah. some genius or enlightened, um, uh, have explained it to me as like some of the problem with the pseudo wokeness of the '90s of like the generally being like, hey, we should move beyond right. the fucking racism of the '60s, '70s, and '80s created this false sense of security mm-hmm. where people kind of hid their racism. Or, you know, retreated to enclaves of racism. And then also popular culture was so against being overtly racist that we were ignoring any sort of healing or changing that has to go below, below the step one racism, anti-racism. Mm-hmm. And it just all it was was a uh, building debt. It wasn't building um, change. It was like it was deferred. Right change you know <laughs> like like all it did was delay that the the painful conversations and now we have people who are at extreme ends you know um who think that who are you know weren't part of the conversations when the conversations were so extreme and overt they think that extreme and overt isn't a big deal and like so it's it's, it's <laughs> kind of i you know it's that it feels very similar it's not the same thing but it feels similar to um people become a lot more okay with the idea of war once there's been two generations since the last big war. Right. And nobody's alive to remember, yep. you know, like that, that. It feels not the same, but it feels similar to that idea of like the more removed you yep. get from the, like the last time there was overt racism, the, the more insidious the, the stuff can be. So uh, I won't go too much further into it because like, yes, we've, I think we've spoken our piece sure. on skinheads yeah. being, uh yeah great good skinheads are great the original idea of skinheads are fine if not a little uh dopey (laughs) at times uh but the problem is if we have to have that conversation every time that means that you have a lot of burning Mm -hmm. like when people co-op something that you don't like uh about your scene holding tightly to it and then being mad that you have to reassert every time that it's like something good uh you're the good ones you can't get mad you have to either move on or be okay with the fact that you have to reassert that you're a good one you know what i mean like like, that is that that is the problem with what they do when they come and take over a space right that is the bad thing about what they did and you should be mad about it you shouldn't be mad at the people who have to be distrusting of you, you be, right. because you're aligning yourself with that thing you should be mad at the fascists that came in and stole exactly. it from you and, and while you're spending all this time you know chastising the people who are wary of it because of that the fucking fascists are burning it down and they're they're going thank fucking yeah, god I great mean, now you guys are fighting against each it's, other it's you know it's my favorite political meme of the you know, about Democrats where it's like, but a dog can't play basketball. Meanwhile, like Air Bud is just drinking. Yeah, exactly. the back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. It's the, and, you know, like, like us having semantic arguments yeah. instead of just being both mad that they came in and stole your word. Yeah. 
like it's like let's be mad at the fucking idiots who came in and stole your word because that's what they do they yep. they take your space away from you that's that's one of the most powerful things yep. they can do and they can remove nuance because we can't have a nuanced conversation because that's the scary because <laughs> it allows in scary shit yep. you know what i mean like absolutely that's our piece so i'm sorry that your subculture has been invaded um it, it sucks yeah. but like that's why i'm gonna hold also by the way subcultures that are easily invaded by fascists are like that for a reason they usually have a high amount of of um tribalism mm-hmm. high amount of testosterone high amount of um you know kind of hooliganism you know like all these things that are already kind of dangerous and on the ride the edge so like also look inwards in that mm-hmm. way too of like is that something you want to align yourself with like you got to be careful with this stuff some of this stuff is delightfully fun but like i'm gonna hold a lot of that stuff at arm's length because that's the stuff yeah. that breeds bad yeah, shit for sure know? i'm sorry like i'm with you i i think punk is the same Absolutely. way like traditionalist punk is exactly the same way i can love all this stuff and be like hmm anything that's Got rules is easily. I mean, that's. I mean, you know, rules and anger. Yeah, I mean, that's rules and anger is a bad combo. Absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of music scenes in general too. I mean, that you know, I mean, anything. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, that's uh, metal, I mean, all sorts I, of metal. I was, I, I was talking about this on the Foxy Digitalis podcast. It, like, for some fucking reason, I've decided to get into like dungeon synth, right? Oh yeah. Well, there you but, go. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, like a lot of people are like, so, like we are an anti-fascist label. We are, you know, but it's again, yep. like it, you just, yeah. So anything that could either be played at D and D or a, <laughs> or at a like fascist thing is like so frustrating because half of them are the sweetest human beings right. on the planet <laughs> who are goofballs who want to play D and D with you and read Lord of the Rings. And that's like, people after my own heart like i love them but then there's and i want to listen to their music and then they are constantly having to be ever vigilant against these other fuckers and like they have figured that out they they go okay the cost doing business is writing we are anti-fascist and keeping a list of all the fat they literally all get together and like keep lists (laughs) they keep an eye on all of them because they're so worried about being either associated with them or Or accidentally letting them run wild like letting someone in to the they're very worried yep. about it. Dungeon synth, black metal, yep. thrash metal, death metal. Like they, they all are very studious and they keep an eye on everything. And so like, to me, I'm like, there you go. That's the model. And I think, I think a lot of anti-fascist, um, skinhead, punk, oi, you know, mm-hmm. hardcore, you know, power violence is another one. Like there's a lot of underground groups that keep an eye on each other. And so like, when you get like pissed that like, we're like, uh, we get a little worried when when Lars starts getting too stoked about his Danish right. roots or when, you know, like, it's like we don't really think Lars particularly, but we worry about the people who are getting yep. signaled by yep. that, you know, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, and of course, that's very relevant to this because this is the first. Let's get back to the song. This is our first like really big Oi song like yeah. this in the same way we were talked about Rockabilly with Lady Liberty. Like, yeah. there, I mean, Tell me if I'm wrong. This is the most overt oi by like far. I can't. Yeah, in I their... can't think of anything else that comes this close. Yeah. 
and and yeah. yeah, and it's uh, well, like I said, for me, it it made me like rethink what I want to understand more from what I thought, right? Where it can go the other way too, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh yeah, this is an endorsement of my shitty." I mean, I don't know how you listen to the rest of the song and think that, but. but but people are fucking stupid so um yeah but yeah uh but yes i think this is i i can't think of i mean there's aren't there some later songs that have always in them that are kind of in that but i don't like i don't like the tempo like that it it has such a like a it feels like what they're talking about is like this kind of british hooliganism too like of like of like all these fights and stuff and they want to paint it as anti-racist fights or racist, you know, not anti-racist, racist fights, but they're just like, we're just kids trying to get along, you know, like it's kind of, the, it's like, I don't know, that really sounds like a life you didn't live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's a, uh, but you know, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. no, I, I didn't have any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, all but, right, that's uh, the episode, guys. I don't know, we just lost it all. <laughs> No, I I do. I do. uh, It is so powerful. It is such a good Oi song. Like, I do wonder, like, I've listened to some good Oi just like via like Hellcatty stuff. Like, there's some actually really great Oi songs on them. And, you know, kind of like that youth style songs, like on um, some of the Hellcat stuff. Like, um, what's the... God, I'm blanking on it, but there's a couple of great, really great songs like that. And, and I would put this up with most of that stuff I've ever heard. I've like listened to the business and, right, right. you know, all these bands and like, I don't know if there's very many songs that obviously they're like, this does come across as a tribute to like who in the champ 69 kind of combined is like the guitar line kind of has a who thing going on. Yeah. Like those big, those, that big intro has like a big who thing in my mind. It's also, to me, it's also got this sort of, and maybe this is just because I associate the sort of anthemicness of it, but it has this almost like arena rock vibe to it. Like it's like, well, it's yeah, kind of like, like the, okay, I'm right? thinking like kiss, but yeah, like it's, I, I mean, who's kind of the original, well, you know, like big strum a guitar in front of, four, you know, 40,000 yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was thinking yeah. I was I was thinking you were saying the Who and I was hearing the Clash, so I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> okay. You don't even know that it's Friday, so like you can't. Contra- I, yeah, no, I no they, you're, I'm not. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. But yes, the Who. Okay, yeah, we're on the same page now. Great yeah, podcast. Yeah, like, like, just think about him doing like you know those big oh, yeah, old like the you big know, arm thing. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the, Pete Towns was just doing the huge, like, that's what I'm thinking. And I really do think this beginning of this song kind of has that, that vibe. Ooh, or like I know. ACDC Ma- Thunderstruck. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, like, um, you know, Matt is a big Who right. fan and everything. So, like, it kind of has that. But it really is, like, you know, sometimes a band, like, synthesizes another band, like Sham 69 or, or whoever and does a modern version that's like yeah it's not like breaking out of the mold too much but it's a really good synthesis you know synthesizing of it and that's what this is to me like this is just like it's kind of hard to beat yeah (laughs) i mean it's yeah it's like they uh, again i mean this uh, maybe this is a good sort of segue into this part but i mean it's just so 
um, it exemplifies that moment <laughs> of they could do no wrong. <laughs> like, it's like they had this idea of yeah. like, okay, hey, we want to do an Oi song and let's, and then, oh, let's, shit, let's turn into like an arena rock Oi song. Uh, like, yeah, that's really what it is. It's like let's make the biggest sounding yeah. arena and, rock always song ever. And I ever. gotta say too, it is a fucking shame that this is not the last song on the record because the way it ends, where oh. it kind of breaks down and there's the, it, like it sounds like it's over and it's all like and oh, then there's oh, the oh, pick oh, slide yeah, yeah. and it goes into one last huge chorus. Like and even at the end, there's kind of the like there's. The, it kind of plays out. It, I mean, it's God, it's the perfect thing to like end a show with too. It's like this great show closing song of. And then oh just, yeah. And I'm sure they did that a lot. I would, right. I like would hope, was, but God, it is. Cause I, I always think of this as the last one. And then I look and I'm like, Oh no, it's the way I feel is the last the way they did it is perfect i mean we'll probably talk about it with this more with the way i feel about because the way i feel about it's such a small song yeah it's and such a tim song it's like such a nice little coda i can it's like this little like he comes back and just does this little like stare somebody down song and like it's sort of like a fuck you we did it like it's kind of like there's the big rousing accomplishment like again musical theater <laughs> like it's like the big rousing accomplishment song and then it's like tim comes out and almost by himself plays a little song like angry song of like sure we made it no, we did it I mean, you know like and i think that one two punch actually does pretty good I, yeah I, well i'm don't get me wrong the way that fe- way i feel i love that song too but like it, yeah I, if i think of it more as like this is the last song and then that's the encore it works better but, yeah that's kind of how i think um of it. but i'm god it is just such a moment and and again the ending of it the way that it like s- kind of breaks down and like stops show. and then it yeah. ramps back up for one last hurrah yeah. oh man that's, that's the stuff right there it also feels like what they felt like their mission was on this album was like it seems like they were like this okay band that had these influences and then they're like okay we're having this moment they have all this pressure they you know if you go back and listen a few things they really talk about how they had no time to yeah. record it and i think that pressure cooker thing made this album be better and more crazy than we than you know again this right whole thing be. that <laughs> yeah exactly and the you know again this sort of come to jesus moment about yeah. the world that i think you're setting up um i do think one thing with this album that they continued on life away but really was on this album was they were like okay we like all this different music Let's Go was great, but it's like a California thrashy skate punk record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all the way to skate punk, but you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, it's like the street punky kind of rockabilly. And, like, it's not, it doesn't sum up all the things we love. And, you know, there's all this British stuff that especially Lars and Tim love. There's all the who and stuff that, that Matt loves. Like, they felt like it was their job to teach people some stuff. Yeah. And they felt like not enough people knew all the ingredients, in a lot of ways, all the ingredients of the clash, mm-hmm. right? They didn't get the vibes. And again, there wasn't an internet. So they, they thought that it's like, well, whoever's 
in charge of the scene should tell everybody, you know, like there's almost like this, like the leaders of the scene should tell everybody what's going on. And like, there's this sort of responsibility. And again, this like, you know, we kind of know Tim as a Messiah complex a little bit, you know what I mean? Like he's, and so like, I think throwing a really big, huge, worked really hard on it, always song on the end of this record it's the same as talking about all the things on Roots Radicals and then having the reggae songs and the Scott oh, song. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. it's the same thing as like, let me tell you guys about these records we like. We like Oi. We like Sham 69. We like, you know, these various Oi singles. We like Ska. <laughs> we like Ska. We like, you know, Desmond Decker. We like all these things. Yep. You know, let me tell you about. Uh, the story of Operation yep. Ivy and the true story of Operation Ivy. Let's let's tell you about like there's a little bit more about like let's have a couple really clashy songs so when people re- reference the clash you'll go listen to the clash, like like there's sort of this responsibility to like take their influences and put them do really good versions of them so that because they're again it costs twenty bucks right at a time when twenty bucks was is the equivalent of fifty right. bucks to us right yeah. now. Uh, um to get a record and most records weren't in print and most of them had really bad cd transfers like it, it wasn't like where i now i realized you know a few months ago oh, i could just go listen to shame 69 for right. years it was impossible to get a hold of shame right no absolutely yeah so like like the idea for them to be like well it kind of sounded like this you know and this is how you li- how you sing along to an old song you know like there's it's something almost instructional about right um this record and it's and it's such a great example of, I mean, it, it, I, I, you know, thinking of, because people talk about, and this is obviously different because it's, well, anyway, you know, it's not sort of co-opting your influences or what it's synthesizing it like to like yeah. through their sort of prism in a way that I think gets the message or the point across, but does it in a way that like, it doesn't just sound like four dudes from California LARPing as whatever. It sounds like this is, this is. Th- sounds like an Americanized version of it for yeah, sure. It's, like, it's, specifically it sounds like this is Rancid's version. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. That's in, in time as time would certainly show with this band, but in, in general, like that's a really fucking hard thing to do. And I think the pressure cooker and the fact that they didn't have much time to really think about it and second guess it because there was no time, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there was, there were, there, they did, there was some of that and all that, but you know, like when you take five years to make a record or hell, even a year or two years to make a record, there's so much more, you know, back and forth it's all the like politics of and shit and just overthinking right, where this is just yeah. like uh we have we got to make this fucking record and we got to do it and we're gonna like uh, and this is the make or break record yeah, for us i mean so. and um so yeah I, I i yeah i i completely agree with all of that and so i i you know we've talked about our favorite rancid record oh you know and it's I, I think, and I'm sure people listening to this are going to argue, but like, and and I recognize I'm, I'm doing a lot of caveats here and I'm qualifying this lot. And I realize that supposedly, you know, there's no, there's nothing objective. There's no objective truth when it comes to art and music. Mm. <laughs> like some of the, some, most of the time. Anyway, 
like this is the best fucking record. This is their best. Like this, I'm sorry. This is as much as I love 2000 and I love Life Won't Wait and listen to the shit. Like as good as those records are, they just don't have like top to bottom. This record is just it. It never lets up. Yeah. I think one thing that makes it hard is how much the rest of the, the catalog doesn't sound like this record. Fair. I mean, but that, you know. There's a case to be made that, like, this record, I'm not saying good or sure. bad. I'm just, like, as we've been going through, I'm, like, I'm kind of shocked more and more by, like, it must be weird to be a casual ranted fan. Because, like, no other record sounds like an Out in the Wolves. Like, like really doesn't. Like, there's whole tones that you cannot get outside of An Out in the Wolves. And I don't know what the, what, like, the reason. Um, I mean, I well, I think part of that is because it was just this unfathomable moment and they can't, rec- they yeah. can't recreate it. Um, yeah. And then I also think because it's so big, there's also a little bit of running away from it. And then they became like this running back towards I was going to say, I mean, when you look at their set list of the last 10 years, it's... 80 percent and and i get it like, yeah for and I sure i understand why and i think that's you know for good for them like uh yeah, yeah. i mean you, being aware that they, that is the they end just people. about every show with ruby for a reason right like no oh, yeah um, of course but yeah. I, yeah i mean i think that is true but I, you know and i think there's i don't know i think the three i think all three of their great records i, I mean i think outcome the wolves has it more than any of them but they all have uh, that kind of thing of like, they don't sound like any of the other records. Yeah. Which is helpful. I think because then you can kind of be like, well, I like this one for this and I like this one for this. Yeah. I think you're right. I I think the, the truth of it is, is if you become a crazy rancid fan, I don't know any of those, (laughs) but obviously, but, um, once you cross some, there's some threshold you cross. I think a thing that we haven't said enough or haven't, admitted and we're coming around to is that there's some baseline where you just go and how can the walls exist it's the best and it's in your dna like it's right. just like it's like okay that's the table that we're setting it's, everything it's else the on. water is wet of the rancid like yeah exactly yeah exactly and then like you want novelty and then you go okay which one of life won't wait or 2000 is my favorite yeah because you're just like rancid exists i love outcome the wolves now what and so when you kind of have these favorite discussions you're sort of i think for the most part people maybe won't admit it but i think if you looked in their heart of hearts including what we're doing right now it's probably like yeah alka the wolves but then right yeah i mean (laughs) it's sort of a but then what conversation because it might be a lot of it also is burnout like the thing that we're we're not talking about is that we might be like over the burnout a little bit fair like we're coming around to Okay, all the novelty of these new songs. We hadn't heard a lot of these song, these other albums. Like we're enjoying Troublemaker. We got a new album just recently, um, and also just we're re re reflecting on all these things. And so like we're kind of rediscovering Rancid. And by doing that, we're doing the fan arc of like, oh yeah, it's fun to go to 2000. It's such a good record. It is such a yeah. good record. I wonder how much of it is a great record if you don't like again have the waters like the baseline of like Up in the Woods is great. And then in contrast, 2000 is really great too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just can't tell. I can't tell if there's a contrast or not. 
I think Life on Wait is definitely a contrast because it's definitely like a more is more version of Out Upon the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you're right. I think at t- as of today, <laughs> it's, I think the, that's the fun way of thinking about the podcast. Sure. As of right now, I, I think I agree with your premise that like I can't deny Out Upon the Wolves. It is... I think they've been chasing it. I don't think they've ever come close. Even in certain things, I mean, yeah, about it. I even th- and again, yeah, I agree. Like in this moment, and I, well, I've been feeling this way for a little bit, but um, yeah, it, but like I'm recording right, it into right, the ether, exactly. you know, I'm putting like, it out on the permanent record. Um, but yeah. yeah, even even as high of highs as Life Won't Wait and Two Thousand Reach, which they are fucking great records. There's like there's just this. And like, and then, and that's an knock on the wolves. Like yeah. it's as yeah. good as they are. And as much as I fucking love them, they, it's just not, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah. And, and again, that, and that's, and that's, and honestly, it's ridiculous because any band that if you really, if like you're two, you did life won't wait and 2000, and like those were your best record, like and you know you didn't have the outcome of the wolves. Well, fucking my hats off to you because that's you know like those are very good <laughs> and records. Most bands yeah. don't even have those two in their you know like uh, those are yeah. And we're not even talking about the first two records, which right? Are wonderful right. Records. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's like yeah. Life and Wait and Two Thousand are, are basically ten out of ten records. Nine point nine. Yeah. Maybe. I don't right. know, but like yeah, I think they're yeah, if, I think they're they're very but close. Yeah. This is like an eleven. This is the spinal tap. It goes to eleven, right? This is like <laughs> at least right. I don't yeah, know, it's. I, I think that's where I'm leaning to, and I think I just, I think it's kind of the argument. Like if I'm going to make the argument I made about people are fooling themselves about time bomb, it's kind of the same argument. Yeah. Of like the familiarity breeding a little bit of like, nah, I'm over that, or I just assume that people like it. Like, or, you know, like, there's sort of this, like, yeah, 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 yada, 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 of, like, yeah, 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 time bomb. You know, like, it's in my soul. So now I can go pick something else, you know what I mean, as my favorite Scott song. Right. It's, like, it's like it's kind of the same thing with Outcome the Wolves, where you just go, yeah, Outcome the Wolves. Now let's talk about Rancid. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. it's, like, it's, like, it, it would be too dominant otherwise to have the conversation, you know, like, it's kind of the feeling I have. And I think that's... Like I would, if I'm making that case about time bomb, I think it's almost the same case of like, yeah, but come on, let's I be mean, real. It's an even stronger, more yeah. extreme case. Like it's the same. Yeah. It's the same yeah, case, but like right. amped up to you know whatever. So I yeah I no I totally agree with that. Amped up to journey to the end. Right. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think that's I I think I'm I'm with you as of today, and over the last I would say six months. Five months has been like this real like, hey, maybe maybe I'm just being like a you know too familiar, and I let myself get complacent about outcomes, and it just it's it's you know oh my the, God. the funny the funny yeah. thing is I think where it really hit me is when we did the she's automatic episode, and it's like okay, and we're talking about it being like, the yeah, quote unquote yeah, worst and song, there, and afterwards I was thinking I was like. Yeah, this is the wor- like quote unquote worst song on this record, and it's still better than like 
almost every song on every other and it's the worst song by like a country mile too right. like it is so much worse than the rest of the album and it's not even that bad it's, and it it's still be the best song on like, like five of their other like <laughs> oh yeah and it's like it was like an, a good step down from every other song on the album you know what i mean like it's like both it's in both directions it's impressive right. you know what i mean like like so you're like, oh shit! What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I think of today. We can, we can put that, yeah. uh, put that in that case. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This isn't. You're not getting an argument from me. All right. Well, I think that's that. I don't think there's anything else to say. Got to be a battering ram coming every through every hour and every avenue. Everything. Okay. Which, by the way, is vaguely like a bunch of hooligans are going to come beat you up. It's you know, kind of vaguely like that, but it's also the like, uh, you know, the the force the, of anti-racism. Well, just the the f- force of the young generation is going to fucking like fuck the boomers, man. We're going to fuck you, and you're fucking stupid. I, I mean, we still hear it today. Everyone's like, "Oh, Gen Z is going to save us." Gen, I yeah. mean, I hope so because. F- or fuck the boomers gonna come beat you up in the uh, well if they're beating up boomers fuck yeah let's do it man <laughs> fuck them fuck the boomers oh anyway sorry uh speaking of the boomers and fuck them we got a great voicemail <laughs> about <laughs> harry yes. bridges Let me get harry bridges we got a harry bridges response let me find it <laughs> from ted <laughs> I like that intro. Here you go. Cut this out. I can get into a whole like conversation I had recently about, you know, boomers and like, and it sort of, it makes, this song makes me think of the like, the part about like, uh, change or step aside and like basically we're going to fucking blow you over. And because mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about how, like the reason every other like generation is like there's no upward mobility. I mean, there's you know upward mobility has been. Oh yeah, because the boomers won't fucking like quit. They won't leave. Yeah, like they. Yeah, and there's such a big block yeah. of them. And they're yeah. just and they you know I mean we were I was talking about we were talking about with like arts jobs and like so it's like yeah because all these fucking people who are the ones making them, they've been there forever and they won't fucking get out of the way and make room for anybody else. There's no culture of of passing. It's very on. much it's the weird. the like oh, uh, pulling the ladder up behind you and fuck you. And yeah. So fuck the fucking boomers, man. It is crazy how much. Anyway, happening. so I think there's I, I I read a bit of that into this song, even though I you know I don't know they're not somewhat of a projection, but I think you're also <laughs> right in terms of generational. Right. Yes, more the genera- Yes, and you know. Yes, I so, think you're right. Okay. All right. Here's Ted's. I got to read. Harry Bridges is, um, I think of it as kind of like the East Bay Local History Association meeting notes written up in, um, written up into a song, uh, which as a as a punk rocker I have done um, myself about like I've written up a meeting about some political thing I've been involved with, um, and interestingly there's like an intersection of Harry Bridges and. Uh, the sort of activist life because I was sitting in a meeting learning about um, US labor struggles and um, on the speaker John Newsinger was talking about Harry Bridges and I was like oh fuck and then um, and so like you kind of join the dots and I wonder if uh, I wonder who he's getting that sort of kind of stuff from whether it's people around 
Tim Johanna or whatever. It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's a cause it's like it's good piece of history to learn about, especially if it's kind of like in your area. Uh, if you're looking around and everything's kind of um, like just great everyday kind of thing, and then you're looking around and you think. You know, once upon a time, people were writing on these these streets. Once upon a time, there was a general strike that shut down three cities, led by like Trotskyists and communists, and there's a huge red scare that went with it. Um, yeah, it's called great song. Uh, thanks for the note, Ted. That uh, yeah, I think it's a very good point. I think just if nothing else comes out of this podcast and us all reviewing this, all the like little bits of history that is forcing us to go I back know. through and talk. And cool. Glenn was leaving a bunch of good stuff on our Patreon, which, you know, you guys yeah. can sign up for, uh, about Harry Bridges. And I just was like, God, this is, if nothing else, this is the best thing. I know, like all this stuff we're learning, like even this and thinking about, you know, it's a new album, the Barbary Coast and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. a history lesson. I do think it's an interesting question. Like, I wonder who was feeding this stuff to Tim. Yes. Like the, the sort of history of the original history of like, East Bay punk rock was so radical because of like the maximum rock and roll crew mm -hmm. and that very like communist sort of origins of of East Bay for being kind of treated like it's the pop punk center of the world. It was you right. know the most politically extreme. You know, Gilman was famous for being almost like too politically pure, right. you know, like, you know, almost a purism test, right? You know, purity test um, uh, to to be involved, you know. I, I do wonder who it is I was feeding this because I do just think Tim's kind of a history buff and 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 an avid reader, which is interesting because he had a hard time reading early in life. And um, but I think he does love that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, it, was he being taught? And and that is something that I worry about is that that curiosity and that sort of local history sort of element of punk rock. Like, where's that going? Because we're we've kind of spread out and globalized into these groups that are more like, I can just be friends with some random fucker in Oklahoma, right. you know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that. All the, I mean, I've had plenty of conversations like with, through the sort of Foxy Digitalis lens about how it's like, I love Foxy Digitalis, but it's like it, it's, it and I've thought about like, I wonder do scene reports or something. Cause it's like, I feel like there, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not what it was, and and I and I and no. I start to worry. I'm like, oh god, I'm doing oh the good old days. Like, you know, it's not. But yeah. there is something lost. Um, it really, I not to bring up like the you, you just remind me of something that's sort of off topic, but like that scene report thing. It's like when when Norm died, mm -hmm. Hannah Bright, mm -hmm. um, for people when he died. Um, you know, he never really was fully huge in Seattle, like the people who knew knew. But like, I don't think compared to how important he was on an international right. level compared to Seattle, they never really figured him out. And he was never super interested right. in playing a ton of shows. And um, he had a lot of friends and his his wake and, and was beautiful. And I think a lot of people were shocked by all the semi-famous people who sent in stuff to be shown at his... You know, there, there was sort of this thing of like local scenes aren't the same as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Like a guy can be much more famous outside mm -hmm. than inside. And we have a very good scene in Seattle, like bolstered by good people. But like still, that's like not enough for a lot of these different music scenes. And like even with a big, big city, you know, and a big, you know, Seattle's got its problems, but 
it's this it's such a different thing you know a guy can literally be here be a part of the scene but still not be appreciated and then when the guy poor guy dies and he's such a you know oh, right. awesome important guy like we people are shocked at like all these you know john mcintyre sending stuff in about it and people are like what you know it's like, like yeah yeah it's like dude was you know beloved you know <laughs> like you know like he's it's important you know and 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 um it just makes me think i've been thinking a lot about like how do we keep local scenes going because there's a lot less financial um reason for people to tour which is why local scenes exist you know like they they tend to stick around to be hot spots for people to drop in you know especially at a mid-sized city where there's a cost to doing a show mm -hmm. you know it isn't like you can just rent out your vw hall you know um and so i don't know that's just like that's part of the discussion right now of like the dying or the trans at least the transformation of local scenes right now um it's definitely part of that like and and one of the things you are losing are like them being kind of the self-record of the local scene the local town itself you know what i mean and so yeah no yeah. i mean yeah i think I, I think about that a lot of all the time and in a lot of ways yeah so i'm not gonna yeah, don't exactly. want to talk about myself yeah. <laughs> uh let's uh we all didn't drew also sent in a message about harry bridges drew sent in yeah. a, a very serious yeah, message very that we need to okay. listen to so for years i thought the line was but apparently when you look it up it says over and over again which now i'm just upset because since 1996 i was fairly certain as you know, and Tim and Lars love women. And I'm sure Matt is lovely as well to women. So uh, uh, the, I <laughs> I thought the same thing. For the longest time, I thought it was woman. <laughs> it was, and it's just perfect. Like, I don't know. In my mind, it was like, oh, it's like drunk Eddie. Be like, woman. <laughs> so. I think I said something like, I feel like I misunderstood this, but I couldn't remember what it was. Like, I think I said something in the... Maybe, uh, yeah. Either I thought it or I said it in the thing, and yep. he nailed it. It's exactly what it was. It was like, I, I didn't... The actual, I never, the actual lyrics are uh, so much better than what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I never registered that line as that, and he captured exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. He also um, talked about Harry Bridges and, and Drew. Drew reminded us that we dropped that right as... Um, uh, the SAG AFRA joined the WGA strike. We're looking down the barrel UPS, of a UPS yeah. strike. There's all sorts of strikes going on or near strikes going on. We might be looking at striketober. A bunch of different um, negotiations are going forward. I'm looking up uh, before this episode. And if it's not very obvious, like we are definitely standing in solidarity yeah. with all these folks. I don't know if I know there was a Broadway strike i don't know if any of this is affecting drew who i know works somewhat in in those worlds but um if the message is not clear if especially if you're involved in any of these industries like we're super on your yep. side you know anybody's on the picket line you know this is us virtually honking our horns <laughs> and saying tell us what we can do to help you you know and uh fuck them scabs and uh, <laughs> it seems like it does seem like this is going to be one of the more intense seasons for 
well, fine, just fucking starve them out, mm. you know, for all these groups. Like, we're really at one of the more heavy, this is going to be one of those heavier strike seasons. And so uh, things are going to get harder and harder for those people. So if there is sort of mutual aid or yep. anything you can do for those folks, you should consider doing it because uh, this is the only action we have left in, in these sort of more oligarchical, yep. <laughs> if that's a word, uh, society we're trending towards and seeing some of these, you know, people staying in, you know, the strikes maintaining and getting more and more what they want will be a very good sign for humanity, I think. So 100%. Um, whatever you can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever we can right, do yeah, down I mean, too. If there's something that, that people can tell us to do or point people to, please tell us. We're really yeah. on board. Solidarity yeah. to workers so. always. Yes. And I believe Ranted says the same thing. That's one thing that I would always yep. say they've been very clear on is that they are workers uh, band and a lot of bands I work with, like Dropkick Murray's, mm-hmm. but you know, for all the flaws and worries I have for those people. Those, they are very worker, pro worker, and that's what always makes me come back. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so next yeah. week, I guess I'm asking myself. What Go, yeah, you, take it away. I don't. You don't even need me. Take it away. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, kind of on the uh, we were kind of bringing up 2000, but uh, I don't believe we've talked about it. I'm gonna laugh if you pick a song I, we've already done. <laughs> Well, it's it gonna, gonna happen. happen. You have a list, though. It's you gonna... like that I don't have, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you but do it, it's if even. You think fun. I've looked well. at that list. If you, <laughs> you're that's no. Uh, let's talk. Let's you know drink some honey <laughs> and lemon. You know, and put a cold compress on our throat. Do you know where I'm going? Uh, and let's talk about Loki. Have we not done Loki? <laughs> no, we haven't done. We haven't done yeah. like I don't think we, we've done a lot of like similar stuff. Yeah, uh, have we done dead? Let's, have let's... we done dead bodies? No. Yes. Okay. Just when I think of the cold compress no. on the throat, those are the two songs I think. It's those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done one of those ones where he's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> we did the Matt one. Have we done it? Where it's like half Matt and half Loki screaming. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. What's the What's the one that towards the end? Uh. Oh my God. Oh, Young Al Capone? No. Do we? Yeah, we did do Young Al Capone. Yeah, I love Young Al Capone. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes, Loki. The most harsh, hardcore, yeah. intense. It's, it, I, I do think of early on with that album, this is my one little preview, uh, early on with that album was very much defined by like, whoa, when I heard yeah. Loki specifically being Ouch. like, that's where we're going. <laughs> yeah. Just like, whoa. Like, yeah, the whole world was getting more and more okay with hardcoreism. you know, like this is the era of like locusts and things like that. And it felt like Ran- even Rancid wasn't immune to like <laughs> yeah. Blood Brothers locust, you know, like it's just like the world was getting more and more okay with extremism and, and extreme music in response and i think uh loki was definitely like kind of definitive for this yeah. album it was like poison for tim yeah. and loki for lars and it was like oh okay we're in a yep. new world <laughs> we're in a new place for rancid so that's what we'll talk about next good, week good good times all right um thank you everybody <laughs> for listening um you can find us on twitter and instagram at rancid pod patreon patreon.com 
slash 11th hour podcast. Send us a voicemail, send us an email. You can find all that in our link tree on our social media and all that. And uh, yeah. And again, solidarity for workers. And see you in the pit. (laughs) I so badly wanted you to do it as like the Loki. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God! <laughs> We're gonna get that cold compress now. <laughs> That's like one second. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, I, I heard it like rip. It's <laughs> like oh, Ian's gonna come over. Has that big lead? Yeah. Almost like uh for being like an oi song. Well, I guess yeah. I'm Stop. Stop. Sorry. 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 We've done sixty-four of these. Haven't you figured out how the fucking yeah. what, what? how do we do this? <laughs> What's the podcast? Who are you? Do oh I know God. you? Do I know? Okay.